0: Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, Radio Hotler. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler, thanks for coming and making time.
1: It's
0: on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Technical goodies.
1: Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, okay, running. <laughs> Alright.
0: Nice haircut. It is a nice haircut, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. A little like shorter it. than when you last saw me. I like the... um got very unruly. It's not the bloody, the bloody gold the, again, is it? What? Don't you?
2: It's abusive. Was it over 9 It was actually. Yeah, it was well know, over 9 you 99 Because you've got, you're focused on nine 99 I've had enough to chip chip rocks, aren't you? Yeah. God. Nothing
1: wrong with chip chip rocks. Don't mind me, just talk amongst yourselves. We're preambling. A, preambling? party
0: <laughs> has he, got he, he's not not his part. 15th
1: glass of red for the afternoon. He's it's alright. Pre babble. Okay. I wish JP. <laughs>
2: he's not. He's no. not. He's a guest. He can't be part of preamble. How, how come he's managed to. Turn it into radio hot, folks. When it's not any, he hasn't turned impre- it into
0: radio hot, folks. Because you haven't even introduced him, and we're we going to get on a what? lot. Oh, right. he does insinuate himself in the broadcast, he does. doesn't he? Insinuates lots of things. JP, it's over to you. Is that right? One eighteen. Good viewers. There's Welcome to episode one eighteen of Radio Hotlap, that zany—well, some may say zany—podcast where we look take a light-hearted look, in fact. At the world of motorsport, national and international. Emergency locally, but anyway. And um, barbecues occasionally. Except the weather's a bit rough for barbecues.
2: You haven't really been able to ever string that out perfectly, you know, like in a really just bring it out like. But I
0: don't practice it in front of the mirror like you do every day.
2: That's just so unfair.
0: And (laughs) so true. Thank you. and, And so.
2: On that basis, we should introduce our guest from Melbourne tonight, <laughs> editor at large, Mark. I'm going
1: for a big drive in my car, Fogerty. <laughs> <laughs> from
2: Auto Action. Hello,
1: buddy. Good evening, viewers. Good evening, lads. How are we? We're,
0: we're very well, thank you, folks. We're looking forward to another evening full of bonhomie.
1: <laughs> bon homie, yes. banter booze, and bonhomie. <laughs>
2: Good to see uh, that you've got a glass of red in your hand, mate. What yep. are you having tonight?
1: Um, it's the same old, I'm afraid. I haven't been very adventurous today. It's Wynns Coonawarra Cabernet Sauvignon, the 2006 edition. Happen to have some open. Couldn't find, or haven't found yet, the cab sav I really want. Which is? It's uh, Leopard's Leap cab sab. It's from South Africa. C- I F- just bought it on a whim um, outside of London, a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't very expensive, about six dollars, maybe a uh, six quid, twelve dollars. <laughs> six, six bucks, quid. Yeah. truth. <laughs> well, no, no, six quid. And, half pound. <laughs> and <laughs> on a whim, he was thirsty, and it was <laughs> young. Two thousand and eight, so I didn't have any women. great prospects for well, it. But I'll tell you, it is one of the smoothest Cabernet Sauvignons I've drunk in a long, long while. It just slid straight down. It was beautiful. I really have to try and find out whether you can get it in Australia because it's excellent stuff. You highly recommend it. It does have an Australian distributor, I found out just a little while ago, so I now have to find out whether I can uh, get some at Dan Murphy's or somewhere like that, but it was a real surprise and I wish I had somewhere now. out, but the old Winds Kunawara Cab Sav, she'll do for this exercise.
2: How many hours was it between that glass and the previous one, you know, just so we know your... Level
1: of thirst. Asleep? No, I think it might have been 48 hours actually because I was out playing tennis last night with my tennis group at Royal South Yarra Tennis Club and we had dinner afterwards. I had uh, the house red there.
2: Uh, Not probably a suitable place to sit outside at Kuyong Tennis Club these days. Not... Not, about, not because of the weather, but more about the unreasonable smoking zones they have.
1: <laughs> well, you have to smoke outside the clubhouse at Kooyong, and, uh, which is undergoing a $12 million facelift or renovation, so there is actually no official smoking section there. But, but I've been there for some weeks because, like you, I've been away. And last night I was actually at Royal South Yarra.
2: And you were in trouble after oh. I came
1: but it was a bit cold oh it's gone all
2: quiet isn't that funny you know we uh, viewers uh, we're, we're actually listening to, uh, to Mark there in Melbourne on Skype and we're, so for all the techno people who are interested we're recording this in through a product called WireTap Studio on uh, on Mac on uh, Mac 10. 5. 7. 7. 7. Um, at our end, we're running a road microphone through a little mm. mixing desk. We are going through the line input um, of, the, uh, of the of the <laughs> PowerBook 17-inch yep. um, top-of-the-line unit, not the unibody. But um, I noticed that the last time we did that, that there, so was, faded, some, there was some fading in and out, and it seems to be that there's some sort of automatic game control that goes on here that if I'm noisy, then folks goes quiet for a minute. So... But uh, luckily, whilst we put it through Levelator, yes. and thanks to International for putting that, um, making that available, uh, it seems to create a, a very flat uh, sort of uh, sound curve, but adds, adds some noise, unfortunately, into the bottom of the quieter voices. Are you still with us, folks?
1: Only barely. That was fascinating.
2: I think he just fell asleep. Is what he's trying to say. Yeah, right. Okay, on with the car racing kill, stuff.
1: Kill me now. All
2: right, mate. Uh, look, last time we uh, we really had a had a chat, and in fact, we need to sort of say to the viewers, sorry, we, we really had some technical problems there. We had a, a failure twice of some um, uh, the, the hardware that plugged into the iPod while we were in Le Mans. Unfortunately, we missed uh, our a you know, tribute to David Brabham at the end of uh, the, the the race and, and we'll go on and talk about that again and also to so a really good interview with Pierre Caffer um, in the uh, the Parade uh, de Pilot on the Friday who um, won, incidentally, in uh, GT2 with Risi Competizione with Jamie Mello and um, Salo. So, Mate, uh, let's take up from where we left off there. Uh, let's assume we're sitting outside sucking down the last remaining uh, beverages which were incidentally difficult to get hands on at uh, David Richards' Aston Martin when David and his wife actually cruised by.
1: It's possibly the best radio hot lap we'll never get to hear. It was a lot of fun and uh, I wish we were there now just a few weeks ago at the end of the Le Moll 24 hours. There you and I were sitting outside the Aston Martin Racing Hospitality Unit in the back of the paddock. And uh, we were ruminating on the uh, race that we'd just seen, and uh, the fantastic victory by David Brabham, who not (laughs) long before we started talking, of course, was staggering around the paddock, uh, clutching his trophy, um, looking very, very happy. But um, it was a great weekend. And as I said at the time, it's um, the five days we had down at Le Mans I thought was absolutely fascinating. And I've really had such a good time in a motor racing. it was uh, an unexpected bonus, I must admit, unexpected victory by Brabham, but that made it uh, the whole weekend all the more enjoyable. And so, does that mean that you've uh, sports car racing
0: has gone up yet another notch in your uh, estimation, folks?
1: It's certainly gone up a notch. I wouldn't say that I'm yet a convert; a bit of a way to go. But no, it was an eye-opening weekend. I hadn't been to one since 1977, and much has changed as much has stayed the same. But I just really enjoyed the whole ethos of the event and sports car racing, at the top-end as it is now. I really enjoyed the atmosphere, which in stark contrast to the paddock week later at Silverstone in Formula One, where it was poisonous, yet it was excellent. The race was run in good spirit once the race was started between Futo and Audi. And the race, although not riveting, was fascinating, a, as it must be, over 24 hours. It's a race of changing fortunes, although this time the Peugeot squad, they were determined to win, and uh, they didn't let us down, and uh, they didn't let France down either. So, uh, all in all, Hardy, it was uh, a pretty special weekend.
2: It was, mate, and it was, uh, it was great to actually catch up with you over there and uh, also, to, for the first time ever in my life, to actually get out on a sun, a Saturday night and have a meal in town um, rather than be sort of stuck in a media centre with a team. So it was a bit of a different perspective for me. Um, quite a nice meal, in fact, we had in the old part of town. And uh, as, you, as, uh, as, you, as you know, I managed to schmooze the gendarmes to allow us to park our Ferrari 430 and your Porsche KNS S with all the fruits, Cayman S, with all yeah, the fruits except not sat-nav, no. so sitting no, all that, the fruit, that. yeah.
1: But it was an excellent <laughs> effort, I must admit, the way you convinced the uh, parking officers back in the old part of the Le Moll town to let us <laughs> double or triple park the Ferrari <laughs> and the Porsche was very impressive. I was... Uh, well pleased by that, and in fact, at the end of the night when we went back, the cars were still there with all corners on them. No one had uh, knocked them off on the way through. So uh, I don't see us uh, getting away with a, a similar act in Melbourne or Sydney or even Adelaide. But it was uh, it was a great effort. Well done to you, and it was a very enjoyable meal. Uh, the uh, the cote de boeuf was excellent. Super. A meal to be shared.
2: Uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting, mate, that. Uh Like when you go to places like that, that the level of respect from people towards European uh, cars, especially, you know, premium brands, it's just different, isn't it? I mean, you you know, they, they treat it like a piece of art.
1: That's quite right. But they do appreciate good cars over there, possibly a little more than here or the United States. Um, and they, the two parking officers amazed, it amazed me that they were just so willing to let us completely illegally park these things in a little, <laughs> a little square, a little piazza, and just let us wander off. We weren't even sitting nearby. and When we came back, the cars were there, no tickets. I mean, it's just refreshing, but as you know, in Europe, they have a rather more relaxed a- attitude towards parking, particularly in places like Rome, where if there's a space anywhere, you park the car sideways or front inwards or wherever, as long as you're not blocking anyone, um, it's fair game. And it, it works remarkably well. It's only in Anglo places where we seem to get hung up on, you know, you have to park in the parking space and only where it's designated, blah, 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 you know, vis a vis the USA, Australia, and the United Kingdom. But continental Europe, if there's a space, you go for it. So uh, it was good, as you said getting out of the race in the evening um, and going and experiencing some of the culture in Le because that's something I hadn't done before, and I think it's to be uh, recommended if anyone goes to Le Mans 24 hours, which you must. It's got to be in your bucket list, hasn't it, <laughs> oh, I
2: think that it hours. must be in, in yep. everybody's, and, and we'll try and uh, bring that up again. Just make a note there, JP, over on that sheet of paper that I'm handing to you right now about the things one must do, i.e. Goodwood and things like that. But, if, you know, do you think, do you think mate, uh, there's a bit more... There's a lot of tall poppy syndrome here in Australia, and I think that's why you don't get a lot of um, respect, I suppose, uh, not, not from for yourself, but for the vehicle that you're driving because of their European heritage. And, and I think, you know, we, we're not taking anything away from Australia, but we, we don't have a deep culture, and certainly from a car manufacturing point of view... Um, it, 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 it's not steeped in history. Um, perhaps that's why people are a little bit more lenient towards, ay, 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 ay. It's just, you know, it's art on
1: wheels. They appreciate the cars, and I think they appreciate the fact that normally, not us, of course, because we were driving OPs, but normally people who've succeeded get to buy flash cars. And um, the merit in achieving that sort of position in life where can afford a Ferrari or a Porsche is appreciated, and people have the attitude of, well, you know, one day I'm going to get there and have one of those, rather than saying, oh, you know, you wanker at the Porsche, I'm going to, you know, key your car or something like that, which, unfortunately, is often the attitude here and uh, maybe in the States. It's, it's, it's very strange, and I guess, to some degree, It is the tall poppy syndrome that is one of the banes of our existence out here. But we didn't suffer from that over there. We were um, welcomed, um, just as we were overall everywhere during the Le Mans 24 Hours. It was um, actually almost quite un French, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very
2: good. We we had a little bit of Frenchness, but, uh, you know. Usually, once you can string a few words together, you can get through a tunnel without the right pass, even though you, that, the the right pass had got you through previously, <laughs> mate. Yeah. Um, after the race, so uh, you know, we, we caught up with DB staggering around there with the wrong trophy, um, but you caught up with him, uh, I think, th- the Tuesday in London for a bit of a, a, a spot of lunch. Um, I did it, and uh, a really excellent article out of the shadows in um, and uh, the previous week of uh, Autosport. Autosport um, so Auto shame! Auto oh oh dear me Lift your gun. I know you've been lining for him But uh, ep- Episode 1346 If you can catch that It really is a goodie um, mate, What did you have For lunch with him?
1: Thank you You were talking about The interview I did With Sir Jack Brabham
2: No I'm talking about uh, David
1: oh, talk- oh you've seen that already Have you? Yeah, it's I've actually Rich it. Adelaide but, 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 mate,
2: mate, People can yes. read People can read The story for themselves Which is a goodie but what I want to know is, what did you have for lunch?
1: Uh, that's quite funny that you should ask because both of us having spent five days in France and we'd eaten, you know, wonderful. Fromage food, and jambon. The whole lot. And we sat down at the restaurant in a hotel in Henley on Thames, which Ooh. is west oh, of London, nice. outside of London, near where David Bradman lives, um, called the Hotel Duvain. And we had lunch there. So that's Hotel of Welling. Yeah, <laughs> we both mulling over what we should eat. And he asked, he said, oh, and Brad said to me, well, what are you having, what are you going to have? And I said, oh, well, I know I shouldn't, but after five days in France, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the hamburger. And he said, so am I. I know exactly what you mean. So even though we dined out on really good food, <laughs> um, it was just nice to have something simple, although in the end it wasn't that simple. It was a huge burger. It was really... Um, very tasty. So we both had the burger and during the course of lunch we had a, a long chat about his Le Mans victory and you know life for David Brabham and how his career, where it would normally at his age, um, be on the, on the slide of the downcline. It's actually peaked. He's become you know, one of the absolute guns of sports car racing in Europe and in the United States, where of course he, he uh, drives the uh Acura. racing team in the Acura. <laughs> Still didn't get it right.
2: That's right. Uh, where where he, international is, uh, is running the show, there he's got a little bit of a break before he goes back into that. But uh, it, it, you know, after so many attempts, I'm really, really pleased for him. I, I mean, I, I, I remember the 2003 race um, where he was uh, only was slowed and uh, from the lead, I might add, in the Bentley um, to, to to second place through an electrical problem. Um, and and we were also running the Panos P nine hundred at the time, and uh, I remember running down there to to Park for May, and, and the door he opened the door, and I was pretty much first on scene, and it was <laughs> uh, it was very it was, it was a very emotional sort of moment, and, and so it's really nice to be able to to you know have that experience, and I have to say that it must. Uh, we were, I think we all wish international Paulie had been there because he had spent so much time, or more time the, than both of us, with uh, with, with David and uh, had uh, is you know spearheading the PR with the Highcroft operation in American Le Mans Series. So, hey, so I think he should um, be there. Uh, yeah, it's just we had a great time without him, though, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: How do you feel International? the I <laughs> can't tell him that. But no, we were. We were lucky, privileged even, that we got to see the the final lap to the Le Mans 24 Hours from the Peugeot Hospitality Suite overlooking the pits, and that was a big thrill to see the emotion in there because um, David's wife Lisa was there with his uh, two little boys, Finn and Sam, and um, a very emotional time. So it was um, it was great all round. I mean, motor, you know, from my perspective and the the access we had, motor races don't get any better.
2: No, I thought it was particularly good. <laughs> it was surprising how few Peugeot people were there in, the, in the, the number one corporate box, like looking out at that exact moment.
1: I think they'd all gone off to the really, really big hospitality area over near the, uh, where was it, over near the S's, and uh, where, that's where, where they see partied on.
2: Where you couldn't see anything.
1: Really? Yes. Well, they had a big, well, they probably saw even less at the end of the night, because apparently there was a, just a huge party for the, the team members um, and the Audi and guys stuff, turned up like as well out Guys, yes and there was lots of dancing on the table <laughs> and lots of alcohol drunk so um, it was um, it was a good occasion and as I said to you at the time I was really impressed with the cars the uh, the Peugeot which won despite the fact that the diesels sound absolute rubbish they're an oral anathema as I've written somewhere um, they are the anti-430 Scuderia <laughs> yeah but they, indeed, but apart from the lack of sound, lack of noise, the thing is just such a striking looking car. It looks like a 21st century race car. It almost looks like some sort of alien predator. Um, and a very good looking car, to my mind. The Audi, uh, not so much. It's a pretty um, utilitarian, purposeful design. But nevertheless, you know, very sophisticated and quite innovative, um, again sounds rubbish and then there was the sounds acid mark it just looked beautiful and the sound that screaming wailing almost banshee like v12 engine oh, i mean they didn't win the race they finished fourth which was pretty good for the first petrol car home but they won hands down they, they, they did a, for noise and for good looks and
2: wasn't david richard's ecstatic uh, just for uh, you know, when we were doing, it, just after we'd finished doing that show, uh, they come over and sort of like, "I'm going to go and get a flight," blah blah blah. And uh, he was he was over the moon, wasn't he? Uh, and I couldn't help but feeling, though, you know, it, these were beautiful pieces of art, and specifically the Aston Martin um, that uh, that that 009 was destroyed uh, mm. during the night, and um, it just sort of. It's funny how this happens. I, I, I can't quite put my feelings on it, folks. How the car comes in and it's all ru- running beautiful and then it's just completely destroyed and there's a small mouse walking away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our good mate Stuart Little. Oh, I'm sorry, Stuart Hall. Very good. I can I never look at young Stuart Hall now or hear about him without thinking of the... Your Stuart character Little. State, Stuart Little. <laughs> it wasn't funny. But you enter three cars or two cars or multiple cars at Le Mans simply because the object is to get at least one home and all the big teams managed that. Aston Martin got one car home in fourth, the first petrol-powered car home, and that was a big result for them on their return to outright contention. Um, just similarly as the GM-backed Chevy Corvette team in the United States they won the GT class, GT1 class. They had two cars running for a 1-2 until near the end, one of them uh, conked out. But they got the one home that mattered. So uh, that's what endurance, part of what endurance racing is all about.
2: Well, the race didn't start off like uh, comfortably for, for, for the major three teams. In fact, in the first hour, we saw a uh, an off with the, with the Audi R15. We saw a, a problem with the Aston man and um, also with one of the, the the sister, the Pescarolo 908, which w- was eventually destroyed in the early hours of the morning in the Dunlop curves, um, run into their factory, uh, their factory car. So in the first hour, there was there was a big setback there.
1: Well, that incident with the uh, number eight Peugeot 908, crewed by. Uh the all French team, led by Sebastian Bourdais, that incident, I guess you could say, cost them the race because they had the pace all day. Even David Brabham admits, you know, they just didn't quite have the ultimate pace of their sister car, and they had a bit. Of, they had some problems that they had to nurse the brakes. But strategically, um, they had it all over the French cars after that incident, and right near the end, where uh, the French, the all French crew Peugeot was chasing down the uh, the car of Brabham and Jeanet, Mark Jeanet and um, Alexander Burtz, and looking like it made its nut through the victory, they had a late safety car period and that uh, saved Brab's bacon. Not to to detract from his performance whatsoever, it was a stunning effort by the the trio in the number nine Peugeot that won all of them ex-Formula One drivers, and uh, I think that's quite significant.
0: I think it was great. I mean, the whole the whole way that the race panned out was good. And, and just for you two boys who were actually over there, you need to know how good the coverage was here. One HD, I thought, did an absolutely sterling job. Um, obviously, we didn't get full 24-hour coverage, but we got it live. We got the start, and we got it about an hour and a half, I think, uh, or two hours all up um, at the start of the race. And then we got regular updates, and the, the last, I think the last two hours are all in one hit. Um, so we saw the finish and we saw Brab's win, etc. etc. And I must congratulate 1HD on, on the coverage. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And to see it from the other side of the world live in full high def was just absolutely brilliant. The, uh, the Pommy commentators, who were doing obviously the, the, the national coverage or international coverage, uh, were very, very good, well versed in, uh, in what they were talking about and very informative. Um, and then we had cuts away to uh, to the local guys um, but no, the whole one HD thing was great to the extent that even here in little old Adelaide we had our um, the TV rag that comes free with your Sunday paper uh, the week before last um, and in the letters section I noticed there was a letter from someone that, that actually published uh, that was congratulating one HD on a, their motor racing coverage, but B, the particularly great coverage that we finally got of Le Mans here in Australia. And I, you know, so I, I think that that's definitely worth noting. And for, okay, for you guys who were there, well, it was a no brainer. But for those of us who weren't that fortunate, at last we got to see a race and we could keep track of what was going on. And, you know, there was highlights of what had happened during the night while we weren't able to watch, etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera.
2: I mean, it was it's fantastic.
0: It's funny you said it really because, I, you know, i'm glad that it was a good result you know from from the tv views
2: but i ended up hearing from people saying oh yeah i saw that on TV. people that would never be looking at this form of motorsport or even any motorsport that suddenly it was on and uh and they were saying oh well, you were over there and suddenly you created this oh well maybe it's as more mainstream than i thought mm. it was and And that can only
0: be good. And I think that's it's great for the sport, and it's it's certainly great for 1 HD. I mean, and it it also highlights once again how maybe poor some of Seven's coverages of V8 supercars when we have to put up with rounds like Winton, where the footy's on, we get no coverage, but they've got an HD channel as well, and there was there was no um, V8 supercars on the HD channel. We still had to wait for the regular coverage, and it wasn't in high def.
1: So, so Adelaide's still getting a raw deal from seven of the So I thought they'd sorted that out, but clearly they haven't.
2: No, you're quite right. There was a, a complete, like, it was 11 o'clock at night sort of job. It was ridiculous. Yeah, on the Sunday, yeah. yeah. Because that's
1: we had un- local that's footy th- teams playing. That's unacceptable. You know, these days, Adelaide particularly, you know, should be able to get it at the same time rather. other hunted by the AFL, they managed to juggle it over on the East Coast, so I'm I'm surprised and disappointed to hear that's still going on, but, you know, overall I've got to say that Seven's coverage of V8s, at the very least, hasn't moved the game on from when Ten did it, and a lot of people would argue that their coverage is actually worse than what Ten used to provide, which is in stark contrast now to 18 D, from what I've seen and what you're saying, JP, they're doing a sterling job. On motorsport these days, you know, doing Le Mans, the Le Mans 24 Hours, it's about time it got coverage out here, but their regular and live coverage of the Formula 1 races is just fantastic, and um, they're going full on into MotoGP, they've just signed a deal with MotoGP for the next five years um, to be, uh, to have exclusive rights, I believe, to MotoGP, which previously is actually the rights holder has been Fox Sports, and can and 1HD had secondary rights, and they've now done a new deal. So you'll get all the MotoGP action live, and as it has happens on 1HD. So I reckon they're doing a great job. Oh, they are. They're absolutely doing a great job. And while we were talking about that term um, and the Formula One coverage, the British Grand
0: Prix folks. Now, you were there. Again, we got great coverage from 1HD on, uh, on the British Grand Prix. Um, what was your take on it? The, another great result in terms of... There's no consistency, so things keep getting mixed up and keep, keep interesting. Uh, the bronze didn't go so well. Um, I know you said that there was knives out or daggers out, I think, in your earlier intro. What was the atmosphere like? Mate, before Boy. you uh, take that desk stick out of your mouth,
2: <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, the, the, how much F1 stuff has gone on lately... And uh, I mean, where do you start with all this sort of stuff? I mean, the only thing I can think is comparable is the challenge for like, who's actually doing a decent day's work between Kay Rudd and, uh, and, 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 and Turnbull. I mean, don't, aren't they meant to do some work? <laughs> this is a sling mud, much like Formula One.
1: It was a very poisonous atmosphere in the paddock. During the British Grand Prix, because that's where it all broke loose, where Moseley and the, break, the breakaway series was announced by FOTA, the Formula One Team Association, and all the way through the weekend, not much news or anything new came out, but it was just this heavy atmosphere of doom and gloom. And it's possibly, I think, the worst weekend in Formula One that I've ever, ever experienced, because Formula One had pushed itself right to the brink and was in danger of just completely collapsing. Now, in the week that followed, subsequently, we came up with a so called peace accord, and at the moment it looks like that everyone will remain unified and will go forward under the auspices of the FIA, and there will be voluntary sort of cost cutting going on. We'll, a lot of twists and turns to go before this resolves itself. I think. No, I don't think. I'm sure that in the end, all will be well. Formula One's come about as close as it ever has to imploding, to self destructing but I think sense has finally been seen and there'll be a lot of argy bargy before we get there, but next year it will be the Formula One World Championship under the auspices of the FIA and things will be roughly similar and that's the only way it can work because... While the breakaway series would have had all the top teams, it still wouldn't have been Formula One. And I'm sorry, but I don't think you can just dismiss over 50 years of history and tradition and just take the good participants, label it something else, whatever it might have been, and say, well, here we are, this is the new Formula One, because it simply wouldn't have. Equally, if there'd been a breakaway series and the FIA Formula One World Championship continued, it would have been a lame duck too, because the only viable teams really that would have been there would have been Williams and Force India and and a bunch of stragglers. So the betting is it will all stay together. It will move on under a new agreement, a new Concord agreement. The teams will get more money. They'll spend less money. And there'll be a few new teams in there, certainly Team US, USF1 will be there. Campos and Manor Motorsport, are I really can't believe they'll get up. Um, and I think you'll find that ProDrive in the end gets a berth because that's a, a proper organisation that really should be on the Formula One grid if they're letting newcomers in.
2: Absolutely. Mate, so you've spent 10 years uh, on the uh, Formula One circuit Tell us your understanding of what the Concord Agreement is and, and maybe try to sort of, you know, de that for the customers
1: who are listening. How long is a piece of string?
2: Well, just keep it simple.
1: It's it's a very detailed and complicated document that is a, the contract between the FIA, FOM, Formula One Management, which is Bernie Eccleston's company, and the teams, and it details minutely, the disbursement of, of prize money, because there is active prize money, or there used to be, it's hard enough to is, but it used to be awarded at various sections of, of, of the race according to where a car was and how they qualified. Very complicated complex, And the cut of the uh, total revenue of Formula One at the end of the year, which is what teams want. They want to get more than the 50% they've been getting recently uh, which is more than the 25% they used to get. It's supposed to be top secret. In fact, it's part of Formula One folklore that originally anyone who leaked a copy of it would immediately be thrown out of Formula One by Bernie Eagleston and apparently there are all sorts of secret markings on each individual copy of this tome-like contract so he could, uh, if he ever got a hold of the one that had been leaked, he could tell who leaked it and immediately banished them that's never actually happened, and over the years, drips and drafts have, have kind of come out, but the reality is that apart from a Formula 1 team owner and senior executive of the team, no-one really knows what it contains. But in essence, it is the contract between the teams and the organisers under which they run the whole series. And there have been a few versions of it over the years, and but in the last few years, the teams have actually been running on, I think, an agreement that goes was originally signed as far back as 1997 or 1998 and actually hasn't been formally updated or signed. Well, this new accord between FOTA and the FIA, allegedly the teams are now going to physically sign a new and updated Concord Agreement which will last through to the end of the 2012 season.
2: Mate, uh, it appears also that the, the Concord Agreement is that requires you know unilateral consensus on, on any vote. Like, you can't just have... One, you know, one team saying, "Or oh, well, I don't, I don't agree with this." Or nine versus one, okay, it well, all we'll goes through. That's uh, that's something a little bit uh, unusual. Uh, and also, we know the weight of Ferrari.
1: Well, Ferrari, it's transpired has um, allegedly got power of veto over changes to the technical rules, which is an outrageous concession to give them, as well as the much greater sums well, that's of money. that they, is perceived power of veto. Well, we, yes, you're right. We don't know if they've ever used it, but just the fact that they would be given any sort of veto over the technical and, sport and or sporting regulations is, is an affront. They get more money than any other team. That's probably defensible because Formula One is Ferrari and Ferrari is Formula One. Um, the fact that often decisions... Well, it's not clear anymore whether all decisions have to be unanimous or whether majority rules. It, it gets into a lot of grey areas that, frankly, I've lost track of. So um, very difficult to say what it actually has, and particularly as in the, in the past few years, we've actually been running, you know, within the framework of a concord agreement, but not officially.
2: Max Mosley appears to be digging his heels in once again, and I can't quite put my finger on him. I just I, just, I reckon he's a troublemaker personally, you know. And 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 I would I would think that uh, he is only clearing the way for uh, the previous uh, Ferrari sporting director Jean Ajanta, uh, ex uh, Peugeot, uh, WRC, and all sorts of things to take over the helm there because. There's no way that a guy like, um, like Mosley is going to let someone in there to run that that's going to be, you know, helpful, <laughs> it appears. I mean, the big, do, we need the, big the, question, do we need the FIA? I'm sorry? Do we need the FIA? I mean, have they made themselves a little redundant through their bureaucracy?
1: Well, any organisation like that is full of bureaucracy, but, yes, we do need the FIA. We need a framework in which to operate and um, an umbrella body that sets the rules and um, runs the judiciary. That's one of the FIA's most important roles in motorsport because the FIA, don't forget, is not just motorsport. Motorsport's actually a very small part of the FIA. It's a huge revenue generator, but in its overall operations, it's dwarfed motorsport is dwarfed by what you would say are its touring o- operations. Um, the FIA actually represents all the motoring associations around the world, such as the RAC in the United Kingdom, the, the, the AA, the, the AAA in the United in States. Sydney?
2: What about the NRMA?
1: And the NRMA, yes. Are they the part
2: RAC. of FIA?
1: The RACQ, yes, they are. They're part right. of the touring division. The FIA represents all those motoring organisations throughout the world, so it's a very significant organisation in the real world of the mo- of the motoring industry. In fact, if Max Mosley has any legacy left after all his sh- recent shenanigans, shenanigans,
2: is, good if you were a good word in Scrabble,
1: but it you not the anything. good work that he's actually done on <laughs> the motoring side, and probably the best known of those is. Um, he forced through the uh, European NCAP um, system of safety rating by, um, you know, forcing manufacturers into um, subjecting their cars to independent tests that rates their crashworthiness according to a, a star system. And these days, you know, a car doesn't really get a start on the market unless it's got the full five-star uh, five safety ranking from, well, in Europe, it's Euro NCAP, um, out here it's um, uh, what is it? ANCAP, the Australian yeah, New Zealand version. Yeah, so that's, that's his main legacy. So motorsport's actually a very small part of the FIA, but it has a disproportionate influence because it actually generates most of the revenue that fuels the FIA's operations. And F1 is by far um, the biggest contributor to that. So Max Mosley, his future, who knows? One, you know, A couple of weeks ago, he agreed to stand down at the next election is in October, and that was part of the peace deal. Then he's arced up lately because he reckons that voter has been bad-mouthing him behind the scenes as to who will become his successor and who could possibly be. I mean, it's a very difficult question. He's a, <laughs> for all his faults, he's an extraordinarily um, competent man. I mean, his, his powers of debate and his oratory... His oratory ability is staggering. You know, you'd be pretty good to even, you know, get in the game with Max in terms of, you know, an intellectual argument. And you mentioned Jean Todd. Not acceptable. No one, particularly in Formula One, will ever accept Jean Todd as the head of the FIA. Would would that be, be,
2: folks? Would that be a little bit um, a likening to for the Australian viewers? Of his connection with Ferrari, as opposed to Campbell Little's connection with Triple Eight um, as the technical uh, director for V8 Supercars,
1: uh, on a, as far In as a slightly similar on, on a very small scale, yes. But yeah, Todd is just too it, just seen as a Ferrari man and too close to it, and you know, and given that for reasons that are now becoming more and more apparent, I mean, it, it's not so much a joke anymore that people have referred to the FIA as actually standing for Ferrari International Assistance. (laughs) (laughs) That's certainly what's been going on lately. Uh. So to have Todd in there would be completely divisive (laughs) and work. I've heard rumours, rumours only, that he's recently been out campaigning around the world um, on the... uh, Well, his tour has been assisted, let's say. Right. So there's, there, there's so much yet to play in this tawdry and unseemly game of struggle for control well, Formula One that um, we, we haven't seen the best yet or the worst. However. Well, like,
0: forgetting the politics, folks, Sebastian Vettel did a brilliant job, basically led the whole way through. Um, were you at the press conference? Was
1: he? I mean, he, looked, he came across like a really happy chappy. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's, um, he's a good young talent. He's um, one of the stars, if not the star of the future. He expresses himself well. He's um, at press conferences and, and, and such like. He's a lot more open, more expressive at the moment than, say, Michael Schumacher was. So he's quite a good personality, particularly you know for a German who are seen to be usually quite stern characters. Um, Red Bull lifted their game at Silverstone, although the track... And the weather conditions did suit them because um, it was a bit warmer than the previous races. Uh, sorry, a bit cooler than the previous races, and the Browns had trouble um, getting optimum tyre temperature, um, whereas the Red Bulls uh, worked their tyres harder, so they were generating heat in the cooler conditions. So that helped them, but they did a lot of technical advances, and, you know, Vettel just ran off and hid. I mean, he did. And first corner, the race was essentially all over. But, you know, an a excellent drive, a determined drive by Mark Webber. Absolutely. I mean, another second place. Um, he's not being disgraced at all.
0: Uh, it was a good race, I thought. It, was, uh, it came across very well. Um, now, while we're talking about sort no, of politics... No, no, we're not talking about that. You see, I...
1: I, 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 the, could I just mention something. And yep. like a, a twin thing. And, John, you'll agree with me on this. we, we just mentioning Mark Weber, who among the unwashed out here in Australia, routinely gets caned because people say, Oh, he's no good, you know, he's always in rubbish cars, he can't win a race, he can't do this, you know, he's a loser. I mean, honestly. Weber he, he may not be the second coming, he's not the next Michael Schumacher, but I mean the guy does a tremendous job with the equipment he's given. And a- he is more absolutely. than Sebastian Vettel, you know, Vettel, you know, is a star of the future. There's no doubt about that. So the fact that Weber is hot on his heels is very impressive and Mark has been turning in good solid drives. He's certainly overturned this image that he can qualify well but can't race. Well, he's been racing solidly. Yes. Sir. And it just gets very tiresome how the general sports media, particularly out here, particularly the you know the, the talking heads on radio, who know nothing except footy, get on and and, um, and roast him without looking,
2: like? looking at the
1: situation. And where I'm going with this, John, is, and you'll you'll arc up about this, is that David Brabham is completely underrated and unrecognized in this country. Absolutely. And his victory at Le Mans was a huge result in sporting terms for Australia by any measure, and we both saw the coverage and have heard since anecdotally the coverage... He was ignored. ..in the the mainstream media. It was scandalously shallow. Yes. Even even to date,
2: there's not been anything I have seen uh, in Sydney Morning Herald online, and I thought, well, here's an opportunity... To you know, okay, you can't correct the print because it's gone and it's a little bit late. But here's an easy way of being able to put some stuff out there. But no, that was uh, that was not to be. Yeah,
1: but if an Australian cyclist, you know, yeah, when sneezes the France, in, yeah. in a European, you know, tour to something, yep, he's lauded and praised. It's just this the blinkers that it that are on. Sports journalists and sports editors in this country is just maddening. And it's nothing it has been going on ever since I've been a journalist. But they just, for some reason, can't get their heads around the fact that race drivers are among folks, athletes, uh, folks, athletes on this planet.
2: Folks, it, it's time to, uh, for me to um, pour a little of my heart out to the, the viewers. And I, I feel that having sat uh, back there in uh, what I would thought was a very impressive uh, variant uh, of Qantas, their premium economy service um, for the first time, rather than traveling, you know, business. Um, it was a wonderful environment to have a bit of a think about things, great food, good service. So we didn't have the lie down beds, we didn't have the mood lighting, but for the price performance, very, very good. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it, and I reflected on the 117 episodes or more of Radio Hot Lap we've done uh, over the last four or five years, and I felt that we've lost our way a little bit. And I'd like to JP for you to help reflect on this because I, I feel that we we started out with a mandate, mate, and that was about that was about. Conversation, a, bl- a conversation, two blokes having a conversation yep. and uh, having a beer and, and having a chat. And, and, and we, we started with that in an awkward fashion, but then became more sort of, okay, well, this week we're presenting. Well, I suppose we, we all like this, you know, let's be presenters <laughs> and, and, and that's all cool. But I think we need to have a bit to think about it and, and, and go back to what our roots were because I think we've we've lost our roots a little. Folks, and you have as well, but you'll be okay in the next day or so.
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you lost lost think, JP? Oh, I was, was wondering where this was going. So, what brought on
0: this epiphany? Epiphany. Uh, yeah. and that, we yeah. Just blame Qantas upmarket class. No, I just felt that we—we uh, we, <laughs> it was about having a conversation, and we
2: didn't know it was, where it was going, and yeah. we suddenly structured it and all these. Uh, okay, right, let's talk about V8 supercars now, let's talk about this, okay, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But I think we need to consider viewers, and this is about us looking internally, much like many of the lib- people in the Liberal Party and the Labor Party also need to look at themselves <laughs> and have a think about what the fuck they do for a living, because it's not really positive. Um, we're going we're gonna to try and have a rethink a little bit.
0: Um... And, and that's how also, are you proposing to start that then, Johnny?
2: I'd like to welcome folks to the anchor of the show from now on.
0: <laughs> you can't do you that. He has to do all the you
1: fucking you I mean, we will just
2: be the noisy blades in the
1: background. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. He's so speechless shut up (laughs) (laughs) here we go he's on (laughs) already
0: we'll get off the program hang on you've
1: been suffering this for long enough you're fired
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's us that's you to us are we fired shall I slip under the table
1: no you're not oh it's radio home folks from here on Um,
2: (laughs) we we might as well
1: You're you know, never in chat, so your epiphany's rubbish. But, Mark... But Mark rubbish. I reside. Mark, Mark, before you
2: go on, honestly, you know, you, you write uh, eloquent material for um, excellent uh, press outlets, but I think that uh, it's time for you also, as an individual, to move on to new mediums of delivery, and it, it appears that uh, from uh, your, you know, relatively recent involvement with us, you... you you love this he's like a duck to water so why would he not consider using radio hot lap to transition himself into a new era of (laughs) Folksiness with with, (laughs) with, us with us just like quacking quietly on the side
1: that's very kind of you to say but don't forget that i do have a background in radio and tennis well, tennis was part of it, but I was a radio sportscaster back yeah, in the 80s the and the 90s. And so, pee on it. Uh, yabbering on is not entirely foreign to me, but yeah, no, this is good fun. So let's not mess with success. Leave it alone. Oh, that's just like Scaifey. That's
2: good. You know what Scaifey would say? This is evolution,
1: not revolution. That's right. He would say that.
2: Which brings us as a perfect segue to Video Supercars. Supercars. Mate, what's going on?
0: Townsville. was good.
1: Coming up very quickly, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's looks a sellout. Good, looks good, looks good. And we'll see how the uh, semi-street circuit there, it's a bit like, I suppose, a small version of Albert Park. It's um, a combination of um, existing public roads and a purpose-built um, intersection, uh, more like the Adelaide Parkland circuit, actually, if you think about it. And um, so far, by observation, the drivers are rating it as a pretty good track that will offer some overtaking opportunities. I'll believe that when I see it. They always say that. But it'll be huge up there. Far north Queensland, uh, for reasons I don't quite understand, but they are huge V8 fans, even though motor racing at a professional level has never been near them up there. Well, there's fuck all going on up there, isn't there? Well, you say that, except really the sporting franchise they've got up there. They've got, you know, well, they used to have, a, if there's still a basketball league going, they got a basketball team. They've got an NRL team. They've got now a big supercar race. They're always bidding for another sports franchise. they've the I mean, what else do they want? Well,
2: they got well that's material. Queensland, yes.
1: So, no, I, I, I fully expect it's going to be um, a great weekend. I will be very interested to see whether Triple Eight continues its domination or whether HRT and particularly FPR can get up off the mat and actually challenge. I mean, HRT don't look to be doing too bad at the moment they two drivers. Davison and Tanda, are actually second and third in the points and they're still within striking distance, but um, that doesn't reflect the reality of um, normally the the Triple Eight cars and particularly Jamie Winkups, um is the class of the field. So... Hopefully someone can get up and break this domination and um, we can get some racing that's um, a little more interesting, although it doesn't get more, much more interesting than Darwin. The second race. When Michael Caruso yep. got up one in the Gary Rogers Motorsport Commodore. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic result. I mean, it was obviously a lot of strategy was involved in the use of the uh, soft compound sprint tyre in the second race, but, hey, he won it.
2: And it, uh, but it, it's really easy to, uh, to, to criticise the winners. I mean, the crowds want, like, they want change. They want new things happening and they want little bits of upsets. And it's great. You get, you know, Jamie on a roll and he wins, you know, this, 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 this. And then suddenly, isn't it? It's typical of Australia in this tall poppy syndrome land we, have, we live in that suddenly the hero, right, we've got to push him down. Down, down, down. Well, there And not- someone else has got to come in. Yeah. And,
1: well, it's and- it. Michael Caruso is very interesting too because to be very blunt about it, when he was signed at the beginning of last year by Gary Rogers, everyone just thought, oh, pay driver, young bloke, got money, filling the seat. And no one really rated him at all. But he was solid last year... And there there were glimpses that maybe he wasn't just a pay driver and Gary Rogers claims that he didn't bring money to the team. Lots of other people claim otherwise. Anyway, this year he's shown real form, culminating in that win. So whether he's brought money or not is irrelevant. The guy has shown the ability that in the right circumstances, with the right equipment, um, he can win a race. And I think we've talked about this before, guys, that Gary Rogers Motorsport is a good, tight-knit little team. They're never going to dominate. They're never going to win consistently. But they it is a small thing that has, yeah, that has the ability to pop up every so often when all the planets align and everything works for them, and, and, and that and that's good. It is, it's state obvious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I just thought it was very interesting the the difference between the two races. Like I mean, on Saturday, Saturday was like a textbook. V8 supercar round, you know you had Winkup Winderbottom Will Davison Tanda Kelly blah 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 but Sunday it all just turned totally upside down I mean it wasn't just um, Caruso in front but Alex Davison was uh, was second as well so you know suddenly the main game teams weren't even you know well barely showing in the top three apart from Lounsey yeah
1: so well I it's think- all about these new soft compound sprint tyres they've uh- really mix things up, even much more than intended I think and from afar because I wasn't here when the last two events, the last four rounds were held but clearly what I gather, these sprint tyres are lasting a lot longer than was expected so teams are allowed to gamble with them a bit more and they can mix and match and use them in the first race and then still have some life left to use them in the second race or just totally have a full-on gamble and go for them and use them in the second race and make some mileage there. So um, the intention of introducing the alternative soft compound tyre on the weekends has not only worked, it's exceeded expectations. It's really mixed things up. And teams haven't learned as quickly as we thought, you know, the characteristics of the tyres and, and what they do because... The conventional wisdom was that within you know, two or three meetings, they suss it all out and it all become the same and everyone would do the same thing, but still they're learning about it and there's a lot of, a lot of an unknown factor in how the tyres go at each different circuit. So we've got a bit of a break at the moment before the sprint tyre comes back, Townsville is not one of the tracks where the sprint tyre will be used, so um, there's a the possibility that Normal service will be resumed, but in the big scheme of things, this sprint tyre. I'm not normally a big fan of such contrivances, but at this stage, it seems to work very well. So, it's something they should look at in the future.
0: Um, You finished rabbiting, it definitely has worked well. I was asked a
1: question, thank you. Yeah, exactly. He's he's answered the question.
0: Oh, I'm about to. Before you. Sorry, it it was
1: a much needed excellent result for alex davis because there have been a lot of questions about alex you know was he up to it was he any good yeah Will Dutton, you know is a star on the rise and people were asking questions about alex well again there was a lot of strategy involved no in victory but it still proved that you know when he had the chance he took it and he got up there on the podium in what clearly most of the time is not a front-running car Yes, Hardy, what would you like No, 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 one
2: one has to be careful with you. It could end up being a Normie Rowe and and Ron Casey job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. He looks a bit like Normie Rowe, JP, doesn't he, really? (laughs) (laughs) Very good one. This is
2: W. Ron. G. Casey, as in (laughs) Ron. Yeah, but
1: I don't like Ron Casey. I don't (laughs) think so.
2: Hey, guess what's coming up? Tech time. No, no, no time. Don't, 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 don't preempt him. He wants to, he wants to feed off it. Come on, what's coming up? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. It's tech time. <laughs> All right, folks. What are we going to be talking about? Let me guess. Let me tell you, there is some know. really interesting stuff That's going that. on in iPhone land. Okay, yes. so.
1: Who has an
2: iPhone 3DS? uh, I have one. I sent mine away to be repaired and uh, under uh, insurance. It came back as an S. It was returned back to me as an S. Thanks very much. You're a lucky uh, duck. Lucky, lucky duck. But uh, what's also interesting in the last couple of days, mate, is that uh, um, Apple has ceded 3.1. Not 3.01, but 3.1. That implies a fairly serious... Upgrade in functionality, JP. Absolutely. Uh, I've to, to the,
0: the I had already when 3.0 came out. So <laughs> point
2: point o- point oh one for the viewers would be we'd seen as a, like an incremental update. Yeah. Point, point bug fix. Point one bug fix, correct. Uh, point one says this is a major stability change. Yep, and and certainly when you revise an operating system from like two to three, you are going to get these these changes. But three point one will probably be very very solid, um, and and I think that's uh, that's really cool. And what I'm also noticing is that uh, that there's some 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 really really it's typical of Apple to come up with these crazy concepts. I mean, the, what they're going to do is they're going to think about how if you were to do karaoke on the iphone with 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 others God how it could know. rank you how good is you are you as, with your karaoke and send it send the information back to you i mean it, it's 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 pretty oddsville
0: well but, that's has uh, got the japanese market all sign up now yeah, yeah. sign <laughs> <Sailing> up <laughs>
1: sorry if i missed something here uh, I've only just upgraded my iPhone 3G to 3.0. Yep. Is there a 3.1 now?
2: No, there's not. It's in visual development no. with uh, you not. know the, with uh, the internal community. But um. it, what we're saying is that it can't be far away from a public release. There are also um, now uh, the, the the screen technology and touch uh, and um, identification systems built into the operating system is seeing that they're looking like they're going to provide fingerprint ID um, and uh, an RFID tag um, readers built into that. You know, RFID was first touted as one of the most clever technologies that could be utilised in supermarket chains. Yes. For example, that you could walk a buggy through and not have to actually, you know, have every item counted. Yep. Uh, at... I think it's still a very, very clever technology, but the, you know, the, the what is what do you call it? the, the, the price, the, the the cost per user is still too high. Unless all the supermarket chains around the world really adopt that, it's going to be difficult for for, for that sort of stuff to be, to go forward. Uh, yeah, looks like Bose is falling Look at that. Look at that.
1: <laughs> RFID stands for what radio frequency, radio frequency identification I, correct very good ID yes uh, and um, there's all well, sorts what are you tell us come on tell us all the good things about 3gs well it's faster it's warmer and it's um,
2: warmer <laughs> well it's warmer it's not really warmer It actually operates it'll really take you well.
0: it'll take your video and stick it straight up on on um, YouTube, YouTube but, for but you. J- but JP has heard a story today that there is a quite a large contingent of, of fake, fake iPhone 3Gs coming into the country. Uh, apparently they've already hit the eastern states. So if anybody offers you an iPhone 3G in the pub, viewers, I'd politely say no because it's very, very likely And check the temperature, rigid well, so if they've got to go to hospital. It's not going to be good. Now, either. one of the reasons that they can do this is because Apple themselves are now selling the phone unlocked. Mm. In through their online store and their Apple's uh, Apple stores in uh, major cities. And uh, now the but last time I checked, you were an Apple dealer. And uh, how are you selling that, JP? Well, I'm not. still not allowed to sell it at this point in time. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's quite simple, the process, as you see, folks.
1: Yeah. So there you go. But Don't start me, do know, me guys. I bought my details. iPhone 3G outright from... You can buy
0: an iPhone 3G S... Straight out locked. from the Apple Store for 879 for the 16 gig and 1040 for the <laughs>
1: 32 gig. Well, 32 I, gig? Yeah, I bought mine outright, and I have to pay $150 to get it unlocked. It is an outrage. Yeah. the outrage. That'd be Telstra, I wouldn't <laughs> it? Had I known, I... Yes, I would have. <laughs>
2: yes. Let me say that he will be making an, a, a statement, a public statement from his... Etched, etched bench. I might say he's got etched. It's like it's like people that go to pubs and they died. He's got a little etching in the um, the big the pond track, like, haven't you? In the what truck? The big pond track. He gets in. He's with Horzbrough. He's with ah. <laughs> oh, He's no. with Horzbrough, and he's got an etching. Etching, very good. They a didn't laugh. use brush script, though, did they? It's not uh, like lay folks.
1: <laughs> Viewers, he's talking about the Big Pond media truck that goes around to most of the V8 Supercar events. Big, fo- Big Pond being one of the platform sponsors of V8 Supercars, uh, the V8 Supercar Championship Series. It uh, provides a uh, communication service and an operating base for journalists, um, sections of the media, um, key members of the media, they like to think of it as. Um, and uh, Auto Action Magazine gets a couple of spots in there and there's a little plaque on each of our seats that tells us where we should oh, sit. So right. that is what uh, Hardy's talking about. So, Okay.
0: Have they ever thought
2: about getting sponsorship from Colgate?
1: The ring of confidence.
2: <laughs> well, no, that would help with your plaque.
0: Oh, and on that note, viewers... It's time
1: to say... No, 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 Oh, no, oh, oh, oh he got... So, have what, a go at this. Sort you, of, look what at me, what look sort look of test talk designs. is this? You're not... You're, you have a 3GS. Tell us about the experience of using it. Is it good? I've upgraded to 3.0, and I'm happy with the little tweaks that's provided. The viewers, including me, because I can see you, <laughs> we want to know what 3GS is like. Should we spend our hard-earned hard, hard earned on it? The
2: honest answer is no. There is no reason for you to buy a 3GS if you already have a 3G. If you want an iPhone, certainly buy one. The performance is minimal in difference, and uh, obviously uh, uh, there are some um, technology uh, upgrades in that, specifically, um, um, what is that, the... That, 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 the, the atlas thing you can find your way yeah, over the, what, do you, the, what do you call it compass the uh, compass yeah, yeah. so they have provided a three axis three axis accelerometer mm-hmm. into it over the two axis yes. accelerometer but
0: in the, the long and the short of it would be that if you've got an existing iphone like such as you have Fogues, you wouldn't worry about this upgrade you would wait at least for the next one like to the 4g or whatever because okay. it's not a huge enough upgrade to warrant spending
1: your hard-earned on. That's valuable information, Definitely. Thank you. Folks, now, next.
2: I'd <laughs> like to say <laughs> thank you for participating this evening in uh, our radio show, episode 118. Or should we say, your radio show from here on <laughs> in. Handing over <laughs> radio to you bought, folks. at episode 121, it will be now... Radio hot folks. <laughs> I think <laughs> let me see. Forward, look. look, we've done we've, we've done 119, 120 plus, and haven't made a ras razzoo out of it. It's your turn.
1: <laughs> it's over so soon, but all good things must come to an end. So, right. on that note, viewers, here it comes. To, or you've just missed Radio Hot Lab.
2: <laughs> oh, thank That's you the last time we're here, that? Radio
1: Hot Folks. Pat Pending. See with a circle around it.
0: Good night, <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: good night, viewers.
0: <laughs> Cheers, folks. <Pugs. laughs> good night, viewers. Good on you guys. Bye. Cheers, right, folks.